Again, it is a joy to be able to be together this morning, soon in the light. There it is. Now you can see me. It's a joy to be together, to be able to celebrate 152 years and to celebrate to all of those who've come before us. So many people that have been faithful through the years in serving the Lord's kingdom right here at Galilee Christian Church. I, I just think about all the faithful people. I think about some of the faces that I saw this morning, the family members uh, of so many of those faithful people, and, and they themselves, of course, those that I saw this morning were faithful too. But I think about it generationally. I think generationally about what an amazing difference God has made because of all those faithful folks. And so for those of you that were willing and able to come from long distances to be together with us today, we again say welcome. And we're so glad that you and your family are today and have been throughout the years such a special part of this church. We're very thankful for each and every one of you because every single one of us has a place in this church and in the mission of this church to continue to be effective for the next 152 years. That's our goal, that's what we're after. And that's going to take, most critically, it's going to take us being a people who pray, us being a church who prays. I wonder, do you believe that prayer changes things? I would expect that most of you would say, well, yes, I, I do. But prayer is one of those things that presents a lot of challenging questions to us about what we really believe about prayer. Do we merely pay prayer lip service in our lives? Or do we really believe that prayer is capable of accomplishing more than we could ever ask or imagine? I believe that prayer changes things. Not in a sense of me getting everything I want or my wildest dreams being, you know, coming true. I believe that prayer changes things and I believe that the thing it changes most is me. When we begin to believe about our prayer lives, that it's not about me praying for God to change you, that it's not about me praying for God to change my circumstances. While all of those things are fine to pray for, our prayer lives must begin with, Lord, change me. Make me who it is you want me to be. Help reveal to my eyes what it is I'm not seeing. And if we believe in the power of prayer, we'll believe that God can change us and shape our lives. Rather than paying it lip service either in our lives and the way that affects, it affects us or in our prayer lives and the way that it affects other people. How many times have you said to somebody, I'll pray for you. And then recognize sometime later, yeah, I, I totally forgot. I, I didn't remember to pray for that person. That is a, in a small way, but in many ways, a big way, we forget the, the importance and the, how critical it is that we remain focused in our prayer life. And we're going to talk about that today in the book of Ephesians. But I think about how critical prayer has been through the years in this church. I mean, that's the thing that history does. It helps you look back and learn some things, at least hopefully. Hopefully. 
I mean, far too many people see or learn facts about history, but don't really apply its lessons to their life today. So let's apply some lessons of the past to our lives individually and our church collectively right now. And we're going to do that by, by using a little math. Now, asking a preacher to do math is usually a very bad idea. Okay, this preacher especially, uh, you know, I, I, I was able to avoid a lot of the math stuff by going into preaching. It worked out great. I didn't have to take those classes or anything. It's been awesome. The only thing I'm really good, I can count heads, right? That's it. That's where my math skills, I count heads and then I add three for Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Done. Easy, right? That's about as far as my math skills get. So I figured out this math today and then I had some Georgia Tech grads check it. Okay, because that's how scared I was about my own math. But here it is about prayer and thinking about prayer in this church for 152 years. Have you ever stopped to think about how many prayers have been lifted up to the Lord for Galilee Christian Church? I did. I, I did think about that. Here's the math. Let's just say about 300 people ballpark, because we tried, I just tried it in my head to average it across the years, because certainly the church started as a, a little tiny building, little country church, dirt road, very small, small number of people through the years as the church grew, right? So just average about 300-ish people, whether they were physically here or whether they were praying for the church outside of here, 300 people praying twice a day for the church. And let's call that the average, okay? 300 people praying twice a day for the church. That's 600 prayers, right? Y'all, my math right so far? Listen, if my math is wrong in this, don't tell me, okay? I don't care. I don't want to know, all right? 600 prayers every day for a year. That's 300 times 300. I'm sorry, I already messed up. That's 600. <laughs> I told you, times 365. 600 prayers times 365 days in a year. Well, that, as some of you nerds already know, is 219,000 prayers. 219,000 prayers. So I'm pretty sure my math is right so far. When you take 219,000 prayers and you multiply that by 152, the years that this church has been meeting here. You get 33,288,000 prayers. I would think that God would be like, man, I'm tired of hearing about Galilee Christian Church. That's a lot, that's a lot of prayers. But here's what I can be sure of, he's not tired of it. And when you think about how many people have been a part of praying for this church, it does not become difficult to see, Lord, we see your faithfulness and we should not be in the least bit surprised by it. Because think about how many people, and I know it's just a ballpark number, but think about how many people have prayed effectively. And Lord, will you use me to do the same? Will you let me take that prayer, my prayer life, seriously? For me, yes, but for your church. Because I can see by looking around this space and the effectiveness of this ministry through these many years that prayer makes a difference. When Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus, 
he paused at the beginning of chapter three. He said, for this reason, I, Paul, and then he stops and then he goes through the foundation of our faith, which is what we did last week. He picks back up in this prayer in verse 14 of chapter three in Ephesians. So go there with me if you will, because we're gonna learn some things from what Paul was teaching to the church about the effectiveness of prayer. We're gonna learn some things that we can apply not only to ourselves individually, but to our whole church. Some things to learn about prayer. The very first thing he talks about as he, as he does this is let's strengthen our individual and collective prayer lives this morning, church, together. We're gonna to do that together, learning from Paul. Verse 14 and 15, he says, for this reason, remember, remember he began in verse one, like I told you, for this reason, I, Paul, prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, then he pauses, he talks about faith, and he comes back to this, comes back to this. For this reason, I kneel before the Father. He says, I am, now look, when you're kneeling before the Father for a church, for a people, you know what that means. He's fervent, he's serious, he means business in his prayer for this church. Why do we know this? Well, it's pretty simple, right? It, it's, the, it's the hitting of your knees. There's something about the physical posture in that that helps emphasize what we're doing. You know that in your own prayer life. Yes, your prayer posture matters. We'll talk about that. He says, verse 15, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives his name. So that's just a way for him to point to Jesus. I would just remind you from Paul's teaching here that our physical posture matters. This means we should not go nonchalantly into our daily prayer life. We should take it seriously. This does not mean you have to be kneeling or something like that, but it does mean you have to think about, Lord, what's the best prayer posture for me, whether that's in the morning, at night, whatever that time is that I'm best in my connectedness to God. For me, it's definitely not at night. Now, I pray every night before I go to bed, but I'll be really honest with you. When I'm praying, laying in my bed at night, I'm also like falling asleep simultaneously, okay? That's just me. My best prayer time for sure is in the morning. I've always been a morning person. It's just my nature. Wake up really early and, and I'm off and running. But at night, I'm done. And I just know this about my prayer posture. If you don't take the time to think about this and apply this to your prayer life, your prayer life will be weaker for it. So we have to take that seriously. I, the time, but because what I've found through the years is when I take seriously my prayer time, when it goes beyond just, I'm gonna fire off the same prayer I always pray at the meal or whatever it is, because we know we're all guilty of this. And I think we'd all say, there's been lots of times I've had less than great prayer posture. And you know, we all know about our posture like this. We slump around and all that kind of stuff. It's not good for us if we sit like this all the time. You're gonna end up with back problems when you get older. We get it. When your prayer posture is bad, your prayer life is going to struggle. So you actually have to think about physically where and when am I gonna connect best with the Lord? 
And will I find myself on my knees? Will I find myself in the bed in the morning or at night? Or maybe you're more of a night person, time when you open up your Bible and read it and study it during the day and that's your best time? I don't know. For me, my best time for sure is early in the morning. This morning, I was laying in the bed and every morning like I do, I wake up and then I, I kind of stay in bed for some time praying because it's a great time, just quiet for me to talk to the Lord. And as I was talking to the Lord, what happened is what happens all the time. I mean, all the time. This is where I hear from the Lord. This is when I hear from the Lord because I'm in a prayer posture ready to receive from him. I don't have my phone. It's, it's across the room, so he can't distract me. My kids are asleep. My wife is asleep. There's nobody else there that's any kind of a distraction. The day hasn't really started yet for most folks, so there's not anything else going on, and it's just me and the Lord. That's, that's my prayer posture. My, my prayer posture is going to look different than yours probably. But when I'm in that space, I hear from the Lord. That's not an audible voice. You know, hey, Nick, it's uh, time to make some coffee. No, it's, I just hear from the Lord, though. This morning, it was this, and I'm just going to be really transparent with you. I had a thing I was going to do this morning. It was kind of a funny thing about prayer. I had some different memes. All you folks know what, most of you know what a meme is. Funny pictures from the internet. I was going to share with you. And the Lord said, no, don't do that. Why am I telling you this? Well, I'm telling you this to say that when I am listening, the Lord says stuff to me. No, Nick, that's not right. Don't do it. Today is an opportunity to take prayer really seriously. And that's the message you want to get across. So don't start by having people laugh about it. Okay. You see? And, and that's in that moment. You know what I wanted to do? I wanted to be like, no, Lord, I like it because I think it's funny. I think it'll be, and there's nothing wrong with laughter, right? You guys know I try to make you laugh and do all kinds of stuff like that all the time. There's nothing wrong with that. But in this moment, God said to me, no. And I said, yes, and he said, no, and I said, yes, and eventually he won. Okay, all right, cut it out. I sent a text, staff say, hey, I'm cutting this out. Take it out. And I just tell you that to say, there's not anything special about me, nothing. But in that moment, it's something special. Because I knew it was from the Lord. I, I just believed deep in my heart. I was listening and he had a message for me. Now, imagine, take that and play that same truth out in your life. Stay with me on this. How many messages have you and I missed from the Lord because we did not have a healthy prayer posture? Because we weren't taking seriously and intentionally our prayer life. What did we miss? What have we missed? What are we missing? So this is a lesson and it's a message for every single one of us. Let's be intentional. And I'll ask you a couple of questions to finalize this first point. How often are you praying for your church, your family, in your community. How often? You know, I did the math earlier and we got to like 33 million, right? And you add up all the prayers over 152 years. Your prayers will add up too. Your prayers will make a difference too, but you have to be intentional about them. Secondly, when you're dealing with anxiety and fear and frustration, 
because I know you are because you're human. And every single human deals with every single one of those things. How often when you're in the midst of your worry and your fear and your frustration, how much when you really look at your prayer life can you say, I've definitely prayed about this at least twice as much as I've worried about it. At least twice as much as I've worried about it or had anxiety about it, I've prayed about it. It's a critical question to ask ourselves. And then a final question I would have you think about your prayer posture. Because now listen to me, prayer posture, I'm going to remind you again, is not only your physical state. Like it's not only about what you're doing physically, that's part of it. But your prayer posture is, how seriously am I committing to this time, this moment? Am I ready to hear from the Lord? If all of the prayers that you are praying came true, would you be the only one that had anything change? These are critical questions about our prayer posture. Where am I at physically? Where am I at spiritually and mentally in my head when I'm joining with the Lord, when I'm waiting to hear from the Lord? I'll give you a final word on this that's been really good for my own prayer life. And I'm not very good at it, but I've worked at it. I've worked at being quiet before the Lord. Because I don't know if you know this, but I'm a talker, right? Doing it right now. And I tend to do the same thing with the Lord. Talk, 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 tell the Lord all the things, pray for my family, my kids, my wife, my, you know, the church and so on, so on and so on and so forth, my needs. I have to intentionally make myself just be still and quiet before the Lord. And as you may have guessed, those are the times where I frequently hear best from him because I was willing to just be quiet. Lord, what do you want to tell me? And just be open to it. So your prayer posture matters. Now, I'll come back to what I really opened with this morning, and this is the second point. We'll go through these last two pretty quick. The second point is this, and Paul makes this point to the church. Prayer is powerful. Prayer matters. It makes a difference. You can look around you and see it here. You can look into your own life and know it's true. Even if, let's just be intellectually honest here and spiritually honest, even if there have been times where you've been disappointed that you didn't hear what you hoped for in answer to a prayer. But listen to what Paul says, 16 through 19 in chapter three. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. He's praying this over the church. He says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. There is power in your prayer life. There is power in what God has given you, is giving you. He says, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge. Do you understand that means that it goes beyond mere knowledge? 
says that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Paul is talking about, friends, this is a spiritual thing. This is a powerful spiritual knowing that's available to you. And he's praying for this for the church. I want you to dwell on this in your heart through faith, he says. I pray that as you're rooted and established in love and have power together now with all the saints, all the people that have come before for 152 years here and many thousands of years before us as followers of the one true God. Would you know how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is the love of Christ Jesus? Because if you would know it, it will change you. Paul wanted the church to know that prayer was powerful and that it was available to them if they would believe in faith. We only have to ask and the Lord will provide. He will. He tells us he will. Mark eleven twenty four. 24. Therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted to you. Now, it's critical that when we, when we read a text like this, we remember we're not gonna fall victim to some kind of name it and claim it theology. We're instead gonna say, we're gonna pray. It's a part of our prayer posture. Lord, I'm praying for this, but above all, I trust and believe your will is what's best for me. That's not always an easy prayer to pray. Let's just be honest. Because what we really want, you with me on this? What we really want is what we want. Because we as human beings think we know better. So Lord, this seems like the best thing for me. And you know what? It's even pretty obvious. Lord, just have this be the thing. And then when that doesn't happen, we get frustrated. Sometimes I see people around me, they have a lot more stuff than I do. They have more financial riches and all these kinds of things. I think, Lord, why not us? Why not me? Yeah, I know you feel the same way. You're just like me in that. We all have done that. Every single person does that. My wife and I joke, Abby and I, we, we joke. We say the Lord does not mean nor want us to be rich because he knows we can't handle it. He just knows that about us. Look, y'all, we had some stock some years ago and we had a pretty decent amount of stock because it was cheap when we bought it. It's the only reason we could afford it, <laughs> okay? We had some stock in a, in a stock that was, you know, we had quite a bit and we talked to a neighbor and by we, I mean my wife, talked to a neighbor and the neighbor said, that stock, that stock's not going anywhere. You need to get rid of that. That's gonna be junk stock before you know it. Thought, oh man. We better sell that stock, <coughs> Amazon. And we sold it. <laughs> and then it got, it made a lot of money. And we, you know what we say to each other? You know what? The Lord does not want us to be rich. And that is okay. Because we, we are rich beyond our wildest dreams in all the ways that matter. My wife and I, we flipped the house, which I am totally not capable of. But I know a guy, my friend Rob, right down here, helped me with that. Basically, I just said, we want to do this. He said, well, we could do it. And he did it, right? It was awesome. Flipped his house, made no money. You know why? Because we sold the house like a year and a half before houses were worth like a gazillion dollars, right? <laughs> we sold it before that. I'm just going to be really transparent with you. We made no money. And so now we just laugh about it. And we say, you know what? The Lord doesn't mean for us to be rich. 
And that is okay because we are rich and God has been faithful to us in all the ways that matter. But you know what my, my prayers would have been in every one of those situations? Lord, give us bunches of money from this because that's what seems best. But instead, you know what I've gotten from it? I've gotten really powerful lessons about life, about my day-to-day -day life, how I live, what really matters, what I really invest in. And that the dividends that will pay off because of the things that I invest in that matter most, the dividends for that will pay not just in this lifetime, friends, but in eternity. You think that, you know, oh, hey, yeah, that's fine, Nick, but just, man, if I hit the lottery, I, it's gonna be a whole other thing. I'm gonna be rich, I'm gonna be happy, it's gonna be amazing. Just ask some of these lottery winners that have seen their lives crumble around them because they got everything they ever wanted and figured out it was not what they needed. There's a message in this for us, church. Prayer is powerful and anything is possible because of the Lord but not so we can have everything we think we need, but so we can have what it is the Lord means for us to have and see it and grasp it, take hold of it and know it's good and it comes from God. That's beautiful. That's powerful. Ultimately, the chief most of this is the love of Christ Beyond any physical blessing, it is the love of Christ. And Paul talks about it here. He says, I want you to know that as you're rooted and you're built up, he kind of mixes his metaphors with like a building reference and a, and, a, and a reference from the physical world, the growing world, agricultural world, if you will. He mixes these metaphors and he says, as you are rooted and, and built up in Christ, may you be able to take hold of who Jesus really is and what he has made available for you. You know, one of the coolest things, y'all have heard me talk about this before probably, but one of my favorite things to do when I'm walking through the woods or taking a walk like on a nature trail kind of thing is to look at the trees, because I love trees, and to see their roots. Now, frequently, you can't see the roots of a tree, right? But from time to time, you see them revealed by a river or whatever it is that have been washed out over time. And you can see this amazingly deep and intricate root structure. Strong, powerful, dug down deep, holding on. Sometimes with trees that seem like it should not be possible for them to hold, but they hold because of their roots. And so Paul is making the point here of check your roots. Check your foundation. And it all comes back to what we talked about in the first point. Is the prayer posture right? Is my foundation right? If it is, then I'm gonna remember that prayer is powerful and I'm gonna be intentional about it and the Lord's gonna bless me through it. The final thing is this. He points to a powerful word of praise in verse 20 and 21. He says, now to him, because if you believe it this morning, church, this will be your heart's cry. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever 
and ever. May that be the cry of our heart. May we believe that he is the God of immeasurably more. He can do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. May we believe that about prayer again this morning. Some of us have come into this room discounting the power of prayer. Not putting it in its proper context of the power of the God of the universe saying, ask me. Ask me. I have the power to give you anything that you want. And I most certainly then have the power to give you everything that you need. And I'll, I being God, God will make the decision on what's best in that. But you have the ability to ask. And yet what happens instead is we lose sight of our circumstance. We, we lose sight of this truth because of our circumstances. We get caught up in the world that we see right in front of us. It makes it hard for us to believe. And we doubt. We have fear. Again, anxiety. We wonder, is it, is it really true? Is God really for me? This thing didn't go the way I wanted it to go. How could God be for me if that went that way? All these questions pop up. Is the Lord really going to be faithful? Is he really going to provide? Am I really going to have enough? I mean, I know he says he will, and I, I know he's done it time after time, but maybe, maybe this time will be the time when he doesn't. And when we really think that through logically, we know how ludicrous it is. But that's our flesh. Don't be ruled by your flesh. Don't be ruled by that kind of earthly, man-made thinking. You're better than that in the Lord. You are. You're smarter than that. You are wiser than that. Don't be like a, a little kid. Imagine a little kid, a little eight-year-old boy. This is us sometimes. I'm going to close with this. This is us sometimes. Just imagine an eight-year-old little boy is playing with a truck, his little toy truck, and it breaks. He's eight years old. He's upset. He's crying. Can't believe my favorite toy truck had broken. Oh, this is awful. This is terrible. This is the worst thing that could happen. He cries to his parents. Imagine he does that, and his father says to him, Son, I've just found out some news. And the son is like, wait, what? what's going on? Because he's thinking about his truck. My truck's broken. Son, I've just found out some news. A distant relative that you've never met just died and left you $100 million. What will that child's reaction be? I don't care, fix my truck. Right? That's what he's going to do. We just know this about a child's nature because the riches of that, they, they don't really mean anything. They, they just don't. But when you think about in context who God is and what he's done for us and what he has in store for us, what power he has bound up inside of himself that he offers to us in prayer, do you understand that we are that little boy? Our truck breaks. 
And we say, Lord, fix it, and it doesn't get fixed the way we think it should, and so we just remain upset and frustrated and angry. And the Lord says, but I have this unbelievable, these unbelievable riches that are yours. Whether you gain them in this life or the next, if you believe in faith, you know that this is not the end for you. You know that your present circumstances are not the end for you. You know that what you and your family are going through right now is not the end for you. Yet we remain like the little boy. But Lord, I want my truck fixed. And God is trying to get us to think bigger. He's trying to get us to take up a posture of prayer that can really listen. That we might know how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of the Lord Jesus for us. That we might recognize how amazing, how expansive his love is for his people that he loves which is you and me. I pray that today we would grasp hold again of the God of immeasurably more, like generations for 152 years have done in this very space. I pray that it would be revealed to us today. Will you pray with me?